0: This is Magic City Soccer.
1: This is Magic City
0: Soccer, bitches. Este es el fútbol de la Ciudad Mágica de Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer. Let's go, Miami FC. Woo-hoo! This is Magic City Soccer.
1: magic city soccer a day brigade podcast where we talk about everything miami soccer and miami fc i'm gonna be your adjunct or your substitute host uh i'm omar mubaid at mubaid 11 on twitter and i am joined today by drew hausman what's up everybody i'm back from a
0: road trip and another road trip and a wednesday night game
1: yeah we unfortunately have not been able to have the band back together uh in quite a couple shows but it's okay i think uh After this week, moving forward, we're going to be as a big united family pushing on Miami FC to the playoffs, and and hopefully, we're going to have happy news and happy podcasts moving forward. Um, If you guys don't know, yes, we are missing uh, our normal host. I wouldn't really call him our host. I would just probably say the guy who does this more often than we do. So, uh, (laughs) do you want to go ahead and leave it there? Matthew Bunch is not with us today, which is fine. It's okay. We miss you, Matt. Kind of, sort of. I don't want to hear you talk about Liverpool, but that, that's fine. That works for me. So, instead of the nonsense that we normally do for the first five or ten minutes, and I don't have a beer with me, unfortunately, because we are all hurricane prepping at the moment here in South Florida. We're going to go ahead and break down the game against Ottawa. Uh, this was last Wednesday's game. It was a pretty well uh, televised. note. just kidding. This was only on BN Sport. Haha. Uh, we had 3,100 people in attendance, uh, and you know what, if you guys want to give us crap about saying their tickets uh, entered the building, fine. You know what, man, if a ticket got scanned in, a ticket got scanned in, that means somebody showed up, so I don't want to hear it. Uh, 3,100 people on a Wednesday night. It was $1 uh, FIU student night. We did see a lot of FIU students, which is awesome to see because we know that the brand is growing, and uh, the team is going ahead and, and really definitely reaching out to different communities in South Florida to make sure that this is going to be a staple uh, within our communities moving forward. And you know what? I have a lot of takeaways, but I've been rambling. So, Drew, what would you take away from the 2-1 win versus Ottawa?
0: Yeah, that, that game was rough. Uh, I was pretty nervous going into it, um, considering that we haven't beaten Ottawa yet, and this was our third fixture with them. Uh that's of course the game we lost uh, in the spring season to them, and then in the fall season we drew them. But both of them were away. So, um, luckily this time around we had the home field advantage. Uh, yeah, but it was it was pretty nerve wracking uh, to start it off. Uh, Mike Lahoud, which uh, scored his first goal for the team, which is great to see. Uh, also scored it on the brigade end, which has kind of been in a drought. Um, goals coming our way, so kind it's of. <laughs> it may have been a lot more
1: than kind of. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, so it's it's definitely great when you're, when you're stuck in the end zone to see some some action on your side. Um, but then, of course, in the typical Miami FC fashion, we uh, got scored against to, to level out the game um, by a local boy, uh, <laughs> G- Giuseppe Gentile. Gentile. No hand uh, movements. You don't play yeah. for us? If you come yeah, to yeah. Miami
1: FC, you'll get the hand movements, though.
0: Yeah, yeah. Former striker uh, got sent to Ottawa. He's from somewhere in Miami. Uh we're theorizing that it's, uh, Aventura, three but, uh, three
1: one five seven three three three, three one, one five seven.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we had some fun with him. Uh, yeah, he tied up the game and, uh, it was, it was, it was nerve wracking because obviously the position that we're in, uh, losing after that Puerto Rico game, uh, it was our home game. And then we were on the road on a Wednesday, so we didn't really want to drop any points or, or draw. So, uh, our our main man Vincenzo Rinella came up with a last minute goal. I believe that was his his third on the year. So uh he he continues to be a, a great player for us but yeah that that game was pretty pretty nerve-wracking.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We got to remember though it's not third on the year cuz he a recent acquisition. This is third in, in maybe, uh, I drew, I would seven. say six, seven games. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Right. So, you know, we're getting a goal from him at a clip about roughly every other game. And, and if you look at some extra, extrapolated stats from some of the bigger strikers around the world, they, on average, a really good striker is going to average a goal every third game. Uh, so to get one every second game from Vincenzo Rene, uh definitely shows that where he's on the right track, he's fitting in with the team, and he's making a difference. And I think that's something we didn't have in the spring season, and and something that is a definite crucial addition especially down the stretches you got to have that difference maker. you have to have that x factor and i'm going to keep going at you with cliches and the pot of the gold at the end of the rainbow but if you want to get to that pot of gold at the end of the rainbow you need the x factor i feel like throwing up that was a lot of cliches in a row <laughs> no um absolutely michael hood put in a perfect ball got an awesome breakaway chance uh, the ball was fed to him almost almost perfectly you can't ask for a better throw ball from johnny Steele. uh and you know, he goes ahead and pokes it into the corner of the box. Um, corner of the goal, sorry, not corner of the box. Um, and, yes, Giuseppe Gentillo, 33157, Miami own. Uh, listen, he had a good goal. It's really hard to beat Rhett Bernstein. He got just an inch of space, and he was able to go ahead and uh, bend one into the top corner. Uh, and it's an awesome goal. Look, don't take anything away from it other than the fact that he scored on us. And, like you said, it was crucial to win this game. Miami FC coming off a loss from Puerto Rico... Had Miami FC lost against Ottawa, you could have put the nail in the coffin and our playoff hopes would be over and we'd have very somber podcasts moving forward. However, as you've mentioned, in the 95th minute, after Miami FC has a goal disallowed on a very semi-controversial uh, goal te- goal, goalkeeper interference call, um, <laughs> Vincenzo Ranella able to head one into the goal, beats Pesser. And goes ahead and gives Miami the three points. And uh, I, I don't think I've ever thrown a hat that high. I have a college degree. And I don't think my college cap went as high as the Miami FC free giveaway hat that night. Um, you know, so it They're was still looking for it. We're still looking for it. It hasn't come down yet. It's defied <laughs> all the laws of gravity and physics. It's still somewhere. It's part of Hurricane Michael now. <laughs> it's Hurricane Matthew, not Michael. Oh, uh, damn it. <laughs> That's why Matthew bunches isn't here. He doesn't want to get shit on because of his name, Matthew. No, um so that's kind of the case here um Miami FC definitely was uh not the very possession driven game from them um I do not believe Miami FC I don't listen I don't believe the numbers we've talked about this before right we look at the match center numbers and they claim Miami had 56 56 percent possession on the night Uh, I don't buy it Drew what do you think
0: yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate the NASL posting all their stats, but um, you got to kind of question who's recording these. <laughs> yeah, right. When you look at the league, I, you know, I don't think there's a, uh, some kind of warehouse in Secaucus, New Jersey, where there's a couple uh, soccer mathematicians watching games on multiple screens, counting every pass and minute to it. So uh, I'll, I'll go with it. it's a rough estimate at best, but I, I appreciate their effort.
1: I was going to tell you, i was always wondered how possession gets calculated. And what I can think of is there is this guy wearing some thick-rimmed glasses sitting in a dark box watching the game. And he has two stopwatches. And the second the ball transfers to the other team, he's got to stop one stopwatch to start the other.
0: I, I'd prefer <laughs> if it was two guys and they had one of those chess clocks. And then every time the possession possession changed, they slapped it. And then you know it counted their time in. I, I think that would be a more efficient
1: system. Rook? Let's let's call T- Bill four. Peterson. Yeah, we should call <laughs> Bill Peterson because we have a lot of other things. I right, Listen, we'd be the last in line behind uh, Bill Edwards and a couple of the other guys around the league. I'm pretty sure we're low on the total pool. But Peterson, pick up the phone, man. We're calling you. Um, to, just to wrap up this Ottawa game because, again, it is what, was uh, last Wednesday on the 20th of September. Um We saw Nesta make all three uh, substitutions. Uh, Poku was taken out of the game rather late, and that was a move that I think surprised a lot of Miami Miami FC faithful. Um, I think Poku picked up a knock early on in the second half, and he had to have been removed from the game. So um, it was kind of one of those situations that you look at, and you're like, that's not the guy you want to see exiting the field to play. Uh, But props to Ariel Martinez, props to Hunter Freeman, and Rincendei. Uh, we were talking about him just before the podcast, and uh, he got some playing time, which is always good to see because I think those twins can be a staple for Miami FC down in the road of the future. Um, they definitely have the intangibles to be good players in this league, uh, and I think just they need more playing time. They need more minutes, um, and as they get more minutes and as they go ahead and, and find their footing with this team, I think they're going to be a an interesting duo to watch.
0: Not to burst the bubble, but I think only one has actually gotten any minutes with the team. Yes, I, think the, I know. The other <laughs> um, but but speaking of getting knocked up, towards the end of the game, I kind of noticed uh, who's getting
1: knocked up. What? Well, Somebody's pregnant?
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, apparently, super super Dario looked, looked kind of frustrated, hurt towards the end of the game. Um, it, it was kind of it was kind of weird because the he didn't look to be putting his all in, and kind of looked like he got a couple kicks to the shins, but. Um, at the same time he's our our leading goal scorer and he's he's come through a lot but he's fresh off injury and he just looked pretty worn down towards the end of the game so
1: yeah i i can't agree with you more and and moving on and, now over to go ahead no i, I was
0: just saying it, it's one of those situations where you don't want to see him getting get taken off because how well he's done but at the same time it's you know you got a Wednesday game coming up it was just it was frustrating seeing it i mean you could you could see his visible frustration Right. Um, speaking of which, I don't know his name, but the Ottawa goalkeeper, uh, Pfizer
1: or F- Facer, I think, I'm sorry, yeah. I can't pronounce the name, but it sounds like that prescription company. So,
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, he was flipping his shit during that game. He was. He was. I don't know what was, I don't know what was going on with him in the back line, but, uh, at certain points in the game, I, 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 I can only describe it as he was doing Hitler hands. <laughs> where, where he was just shouting at his defenders and like bringing his arms up like parallel to the ground and then mm-hmm. just punching them to the side of his body over and over again. Right. And then it, after after it was said and done, when when Ottawa finally lost, at one point it looked like he was gonna punch a defender. He
1: <laughs> like, was probably trying to punch that Justin Bieber imitator at left back. I, I don't recall his name. I think it was Tissot, but uh, I'm pretty I, sure he was gunning for him. I've never seen a goalie so mad ever in my
0: life. It was just kind of ridiculous. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know what was going on there.
1: I, yeah, it was, it was bizarre. Uh, definitely not a friendly interaction between his back four and 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 himself. Uh, I, I'm not sure. Listen, did Miami FC get a lot of opportunities or possess the ball a lot in the technical area? I wouldn't say so, but there were chances. So, maybe he was yelling more about the clearance of play and not getting the ball up to the midfield in a certain situation or not getting the pass off to the right number. It could have been a multitude of things, but I agree with you when in the second half when he was guarding the goal on our end uh I'm sorry first half my apologies um it w- it was weird it was weird because he was yelling he was very emotional with his hands and, and trying to direct play one way and another and it was just say hitler handing it he was hitler handing it man he, or maybe trump handing it i don't know i'm not sure it was sure. weird it was weird. There, super weird
0: there was a there was another strange point in the game that i picked up on uh when i think uh, the the ball went out and they called it uh, uh a corner as opposed to a goal kick it looked like kind of vega tipped it off his fingers but there was like one point in time when the when the ref took the ball to to put it over towards the corner, and Vega came up and like grabbed the ref on the shoulder, and yeah, and just like everybody went silent, like the whole Don't. Dade Brigade and and all the players just like stopped and awkwardly looked because that that game was so poorly refed. There was just all sorts of problems with the refereeing. So like I think at that point in time, it was just kind of anything can go, like anything can go, like. At that point in time, he could have been ejected or, or right. you know, the ref could have shrugged it off. Thank thank God the ref shrugged it off. But it was just one of those moments where, like, I don't know. To me, it just, like, frozen time where it's like, oh, right. take your hand back real quick. Yeah. Take your hand back real yeah, quick.
1: I, I don't think in any league around the world you should be making contact with officials. It doesn't matter what sport it is. Uh, incidental contact, fine. Uh, trying to reach out and put a hand on their shoulder to speak with them. Uh, it kind of crosses the line that we've seen in, in, you know, in terms of support.
0: Um, yeah, it's just a matter of like interpretation from the referee at that point. But by by the way, he was interpreting the game of soccer that
1: day. Uh, (laughs) it could have gone either way. It was pretty bad. Listen, we've seen this and it's been argued by Tampa. And we're going to talk about Tampa Bay in just a second. Um, it's been argued by Tampa Bay's front office. And, you know, I, am not sure if this season's NESL officiating has been, worse than the seasons prior, but it's pretty freaking bad. Uh, there's no denying the fact that there's many calls that seem to get missed. Um, there's many times where we see a deflection in play and the wrong the wrong calls made altogether. whether it's a throw-in, a corner, a goal kick, etc. And I understand they have a hard job, right? I get it. There's one guy running on the field and there's 22 guys who are much bigger usually than him running around with him as well. I, I get it, right? I understand. But you're a professional referee. The NASL is still professional soccer. This isn't college. This isn't high school where maybe sometimes you can understand, hey, the referee messed up. He didn't see a lot of commotion running around. Fine. I mean, NASL, you've got to get your stuff together.
0: I, I think they just need to change the name of the referee organization because <laughs> right now they're, they're, it's called Pro Referees. So, uh,
1: <laughs> no, more like amateur referees. <laughs> yeah,
0: maybe, maybe not not the best name.
1: We might as well call him the MPSL referee. <laughs> That's what we should do. The MPSL of refereeing is in the NES, though. I, I don't know why, but it just seems to be that way. All right, moving on to Saturday, we had a nice contingent of date of date Drake Brigade. <laughs> Can't speak. Date Brigade members uh, go up to Tampa Bay in a organized manner, and it was awesome, guys. I really appreciate you guys. Those of you who responded uh, to the Google form in order for us to be able to organize this event. Uh, and get you guys uh, in a van and make sure that we can go ahead and get you all there safely in one piece and come back in one piece, which is the most important part. Um, I did not attend the road trip. I've already made my one road trip this summer, and I went to Jacksonville for a USA soccer game, and I'm not going anywhere else for another game uh, unless I'm going in a plane. Haha <laughs> 40 <laughs> minutes instead of four hours. Uh, but, Drew, you were on the van. You went yes. to Tampa Bay. How was the trip?
0: Um, it was good. I, I want to give a big shout out to uh, to Julian for kind of taking taking lead at the end and organizing everything with the van. Absolutely. Um, everything Everything went pretty smoothly. You know, it, it's a long ride, but it's it's a little more scenic than shooting up straight up north. Once yes. you kind of get on the uh, Gulf Coast side of it, you have uh, more of a uh, scenic atmosphere, or at least a little change in the the typical Florida scenery. Uh, but I mean, once we got there, actually, I was surprised their, their stadiums kind of, I mean, you know, everybody knows it's, it's right on the water, but it's actually like dead in the middle of a college town. So literally right around it, there's like within a block, there's like eight bars, a a liquor store, which we visited, of course. Um, there's a college nearby. So, uh, I, I definitely see where they have potential for, for doing well there, um, the one thing that was kind of strange is I think well, I'll get into it. Uh, mm-hmm. They had a called attendance of sixty nine hundred people, but yes. their stadium capacity is like seven thousand five hundred. Clearly not the case. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not going to rag on them too much because I know everybody fudges the numbers, but uh, nonetheless, it was a great attendance. Uh, once we got there, there's, there are always, or, sorry, their home supporters, Ralph's mob was was really great to us. Uh, they were doing uh, last-minute touches on their TIFO in the parking lot. So we kind of hung out with them. And uh, I'd like to big shout out their mascot, Pete the Pelican. He uh, easily became our best friend. Uh, (laughs) Our our good buddy Lee called him over, and uh, we we sang a little song to Pete the Pelican, and he gave us a little uh, twerk and a Dougie dance, and uh, we got some awesome pictures from it.
1: That's awesome. I mean, I saw the photos. And, guys, if you want to see the photos for yourself, please make sure to check Day Brigade Twitter and Facebook accounts. There are photos everywhere of the trip up to Tampa. Um, yeah, I actually hadn't uh, – I've never been to Al Lang. Uh, the last time I was in Tampa was, oof, nine years ago. So it's been a little while since I visited that part of Florida. Um, if Correct me if I'm wrong. That used to be a baseball stadium, right?
0: Yeah, it was um... – it was baseball spring training for, like, 6 billion different teams. Okay. Uh, I think the most current uh, – I forget the most current. But, yeah, it, a lot of people have used it as, as spring training since, Lord knows when, probably, like, the 50s or the 60s. Right. Um, it's very clear once you get in there that it's a baseball stadium. Like, okay. there's there's still dugouts. And the the whole seating is basically from uh, – it's, it's like a minor league ballpark. So – their only seating is from the third baseline to the first baseline. And then along what would back then be the outfield, there's some like, uh, basically center field bleachers with overpriced tickets. Center so field
1: bleachers with overpriced tickets. I mean, Hey, listen, it's not always every day you can sit in center field and say you've paid the most money in the house. <laughs> yeah. I,
0: yeah. It's a, it's a strange setup. I, you know, I definitely wish they had a little a little better seating thing. It was kind of awkward where they shoved us. Uh, they put Dade Brigade behind home plate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have to refer to this all as baseball because <laughs>
1: no, it's fine. Listen, people need that mental image, and once you sit yeah, here in a baseball yeah. stadium, especially if it's a minor league compound, you know that there's going to be a lack of bleachers down the foul lines, and you know there's going to be usually a lack of bleachers in the outfield. So basically, guys, for those of you who don't know, if think about. If you're talking about where the seats are, the seats wrap around from first base to third base. So they would be, if we're looking at the pitch, it would be on the top left quadrant of the pitch. Um, and that's where the majority of the seating is at outlaying. And you were saying about the Ralph's Mob or their uh, uh, their supporters group's end zone?
0: Oh, yeah. It was kind of bizarre because, like, if you if you picture the seating as an L shape, we were in the, uh, the intersection of the L or right. the angle of the L. And then directly to our right was, like, Ralph's Mob. So they were fairly close. And then the, in the other direction, there was just, like, a large brass band for no reason. <laughs> so, like, they just kind of threw us in the middle of all their season ticket holders. Uh, we, had a, we had a few issues with people, but they clearly weren't, like, uh, regular soccer fans. So right. they were just kind of on a mission to, to exactly.
1: mess with nice. us. Yeah, yeah
0: but um, everybody else there was super nice. So I don't want to kind of knock... Knock the fans there because it was clearly, you know, just some stupid frat boys. But No,
1: absolutely. And, you know, that's, listen, unfortunately with sports, it's going to happen everywhere. We've talked about that with everybody's favorite uh, Welshman, Lee Iphens, uh, roughly five episodes ago. Uh, that episode's on Turbit, not on iTunes just yet. So if you want to go on our Turbit and, and, and listen to that one, you're more than welcome to. Um, yeah, and listen, it, the stadium is funky. It sounds like you guys had a good time. I saw the photos. You definitely look like you guys enjoyed yourselves. Maybe you we're one too many drinks in, but then listen, hey, no harm, no foul, man. It's a vacation. You're on a road trip. Can't Gotta commend you for that because I definitely did not make the trip out, so I can't be talking. Um, let's, but about, let's analyze this. Let's here. analyze this game. You beat me to it. So uh, 1-1 draw. Tampa Bay Rowdies get the home crack. Uh, they get the cracking of the beer, the home opener. Uh, they scored in the 31st minute, uh, Avila from Haristov. What did you see?
0: Uh, I mean, we, we had a bad first half and kind of the omen to all that was Mike Lahoud catching an injury very early in the game. Um, I don't have when it happened on me. I'm going to say, I believe it was around like the 12th minute. So, uh, very early. Once again, uh, he was replaced by Resende who came in, but, um, that, that kind of seemed to break up the game a little, um, our possession was really shaky. You know, we'd, we'd complete two or three passes and then just lose possession. Uh, a lot of a lot of stuff was getting broken up. Uh, yeah, but being being there and getting uh, scored on very or in uh, in that in the first half kind oh, of, kind of broke, yeah broke our mood. But <laughs> right. we, we stayed loud. the The second half we we looked a little better. Um, uh, bless. Bless, bless Rhett Bernstein, because... Fear the beard, baby. Yeah, fear the beard, man. He had, he had a great goal, his first for the club. That's always good to see. Um, and we we ended up drawing, you know, we, because of our playoff run in this podcast, we're, we're going on such hypotheticals on the schedule and saying everything is a must-win game. But, I mean, when you're in, like, a three-way tie, one, one position out of... Uh, A playoff spot—it's—it's what you got to do, and every game essentially is a must—must win game. But um, I was happy to get the happy to get the draw there, especially after being down in the beginning.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, we've always talked about it that we're looking for home wins and road draws. We're at the point where this may have been the last road game that you would accept a draw from. Uh, We knew it wasn't going to be easy. Uh, Two weeks ago, we talked about the fact that we would have expected a win at Tampa Bay given their form in the in the spring. I'm sorry, the fall season, but. We understand. Listen, still a game to be played. This game isn't played on paper. Um, As you mentioned, uh, yes, Lahoud going down to the 12th minute, needing a substitution. When you lose a cog, a key part of your team, it's going to affect everybody around them. It's going to affect them emotionally. It's going to affect them physically. uh, It's going to affect up the link in play. And we know that Mike Lahoud is probably one of the four or five most important players on this team. When he's not on the pitch, you see the difference. It's hard to replace a player of that ability and a player of that standard. Uh, So definitely, yeah, it's going to go ahead and affect play. Um, In the first half, my thoughts were, look, we looked a little slow. We looked a little sluggish. And again, I understand we're coming off three games in eight days. I totally get it, right? Um, We had another one of those dreaded stretches that this one we didn't really analyze and look at as much because you know we're kind of now in our tunnel blinders of playoff, playoff, playoff. So the team, look, Understandably it can be a little sluggish. Uh red Bernstein scoring his first goal for the team. And I think this is the key part. The nice part to see and the part that that definitely ingrains the belief that we can get this done is the next man stepped up. right There's a common football analogy, another common uh football uh cliche. The next man has to step up. Rep Bernstein showed that he can bury a ball in the box. Yeah, it was off a rebound, but it was a tough ball to get to, and he put the ball in the back of the net. So it was extremely good to see that the next guy was able to go ahead and, and, and pick up for where the rest of the team was you know, slacking a little off. And you know what's funny about the Rowdies? Like I'm looking at their roster, and I almost forget. Not only do they have PC, probably one of the better Florida NASL players. Not, oh. only, do, not only do they have Joe Cole. Obviously, from the Premier League and all of those na- and all of those recent games uh, with the English national team back when, not recent. Sorry, I don't know why I said recent. But I'm looking at the substitutes. Freddie Adu. Oh,
0: was was he even an available sub or no?
1: I have him listed as such. Number nine, Freddie Adu.
0: Oh yeah, I I know he He hasn't gotten much playing time. Uh, last year, he he seemed to look really good, but this year, he I know he wasn't making a lot of away trips and. Yeah, they, they have have uh, ridiculous depth. What was kind of funny is uh, prior to the game, we were, we were looking at the program, and I think I counted six or seven former Strikers players on their roster, though. And oh, I think, no way. yeah, and I think five of them started that game. So. <laughs> From from my end, it was just funny to watch because I was like, oh, I literally know half the players out on the field. Like. <laughs>
1: it's Miami versus Fort Lauderdale North, it looks like.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. But, I mean, uh, hey, if, if you got uh, checks that cash, why not use them?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's <laughs> so mean, so mean. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, it was funny because I was opening up the match center and I was looking at the rosters and I saw Freddie Adu. And for a second, I said to myself, wait a second, Freddie Adu, like. The Freddie Adu? And and it goes to show you, this sport is fickle, man. This sport is very fickle. Uh, this is a guy in Freddie Adu, and I don't want to get into Freddie Adu podcast coverage. I don't want to do it. Um, but Or do you? I, I don't. I don't. <laughs> but I remember being in high school and people talking about Freddie Adu as if he was the next big thing in U.S. soccer. Uh, he was the can't-miss prospect, and it, it didn't turn out that way. It, it really didn't. He's had stints all around the world. He's definitely a well-traveled journeyman, but he's never seemed to fit in almost anywhere he goes. And it's sad uh, because of a player of such prominence, a player of such stature for such a long period of time. Look, this is a kid who was 14 years old playing on the under-20 team for the United States. Like, this kid has skills. And I'm hoping that he can find them again at the age of 27 at Tampa and then become maybe even if it's a glimmer of what should have been, to get back to that point, at least consistent MLS play moving forward and things like that.
0: Yeah, I'm, I don't know, man. He he's, he was, as soon they signed him actually last year, and I know, like, as soon as they signed him, they were, they were playing him, and for for a minute, I was like, oh, crap, he's going to just kind of shit on everybody in this league. But um, I, I don't know what happened from then till now. This year, he just hasn't been getting playing time. Uh, thank God. <laughs> well, thank God he hasn't uh, gotten pushed back to their under-23 team in the NPSL. But uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't see that happening. Yeah, I, if yeah, yeah. if I were him, him, I would then. just I would just say uh, goodbye and call it quits.
1: <laughs> go to the the Canadian Premier League that's going to be starting up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Hope you know a couple players at the Fury.
1: Oh, boy, here we go. <laughs> um, so, yeah, guys, I mean, a 1-1 draw. There's really not too much to take away from this. Um, I did see an exchange of scars between you and and the tampa bay podcast whose name is uh fleeting my memory at this point
0: oh yeah i met up with the uh the guys who do uh the unused substitutes uh a good tampa bay podcast uh i believe they come out on wednesday so if you want to hear their uh counter perspective to what we saw <laughs> you can tune into them <laughs> <laughs> but yeah they're they're really nice um it was cool. Uh, actually, uh, Brad Russin, uh, he's still injured, but he came up to the Day Brigade section, uh, ran That's into awesome. the stands, and took some pictures with us. Um uh, one time, actually, Nesta hung around after a game to sign wow. stuff for people. Yeah.
1: I think he just does it on away trips. <laughs> he doesn't care for us while we're home. Yeah, no, I'm just yeah, kidding, yeah. Nesta. But <laughs> if you make the trip, guess what? He'll be there. He'll share a beer with you. I don't know if he drinks, but he might share an apple juice?
0: Yeah, yeah. Some fine Italian
1: cheese. Conformaggio. Conformaggio numero formaggio. Numero 77. Uh, no, that's our boy, Vincenzo Ranella. So, guys, looking at the table, again, uh, if you want to analyze the fall season, which for the most of us, we've kind of sat here and said, eh, let's maybe not look at the fall season so much anymore. Uh, Cosmos lead the way with 37 points in 18 games. Uh, they're basically 3-1-1 in their last five. FC Edmonton is in second place with 30 points. Uh, they are 1-3-1. I'm sorry, 1-1-3 uh in their last five games and in third place yours truly miami fc uh two one and two in their last five games at 29 points uh, so we're one point back behind edmonton we're eight points behind uh new york cosmos at this point uh we have one game in hand on the cosmos and we have five games left on the season including one trip over to hofstra university on long island um looking at the combined standings we sit here and we're sitting in a tie basically for fourth uh tampa bay rowdies have a game in hand on minnesota united and miami fc but all four teams have 36 points and if you ask me i think this is miami's best chance to get into the playoffs it's going to come through the combined standings and you got to remember this is a team that sat dead at the bottom of the table at the combined standings when fall season kicked off so to be able to make up all the points they did to get to this to get to this point at this I'm sorry to get to this point at the table so far is absolutely outstanding.
0: Yeah, and uh I know we kind of doubted you originally on this whole combined standing conspiracy theory, but um yeah, we're we're sitting right in there and that's the other thing Tampa has, you know, has played 26, we've played 27, but in the combined we're we're draw we're ah. <laughs> we're drawn with them now. But um you know Minnesota's right there, Cal- Carolina's right there, uh, which brings us to our next game. Is OKC is two points behind, so it's it's still very very tight.
1: Yeah, it's definitely tight. Uh, this whole season was going to be stress stressful for us. Uh, if it was going well. If it wasn't going well, it wouldn't be stressful because we know where we'd be. We'd be out of the scenario and out of the pictures to begin with. Before we go ahead and talk about Ryo, Ryo OKC, who's coming into town on Saturday. And yes, guys, we have a full turf field. We don't have to worry about owners taking things away from the field. But the Tampa Bay Rowdies play Minnesota United tomorrow on October 5th, or today, if you're listening, on the morning of October 5th. That's a scary situation for Miami FC in, to be in. Scenarios are the following. If Minnesota United wins, now you're three points behind Minnesota United with a game in hand. Okay. Not terrible, but you don't play them again. If Tampa Bay Rowdies wins, now you are three points behind the Tampa Bay Rowdies, and you're even in games. Not terrible. Kind of not what you want to see because you still play Tampa one more time, so that's a six-point swing. You don't have to worry about it. But I think this is the best scenario. You need United and you need the Rowdies to have a 1-1, The 2-2, is 0-0 draw. That's going to be the best scenario for your Miami FC because now both teams move up to 37 points. You now have a game in hand on Minnesota. You still play the Rowdies once. I mean, that's going to be the best situation to have. So I think a lot of eyes from South Florida, a lot of Miami FC faithful are going to turn on the TV and watch that match because it, it's going to be important. It's going to determine a lot of what Miami FC has left to do in their final five games of the season. To see whether or not they can clinch that four spot uh, in the combined table.
0: Yeah, for sure. This this game is going to be clutch, and uh, the, the draw is obviously the best thing we want to see. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's hard, man. It's hard. Yeah, it's tough. Well, another thing, uh, just to go back to Tampa, was I was surprised. You know, obviously we're, this is our first year in the league, but. Um, with With that game, we played Tampa. I think if they beat us, they would have won uh the Coastal Cup, and since we drew them, they did not win the Coastal Cup, but they're still in first place and I was kind of surprised to see how intense their fans were to win the Coastal Cup, which
1: <laughs> are I they mean, or are <laughs> they not?
0: I know they they're very uh they're very uh intent on winning it which is kind of weird you know it's i mean it's just been them and the strikers forever and then the armada recently in and now we're the new kids on the block so uh but it was just strange to see where it was more you know i think i heard more talk about the coastal cup amongst them beside. uh Instead of the combined standings or the fall standings, which was kind of weird because, in my mind, I was just like, no, I'd I'd rather make the playoffs, you know?
1: (laughs) Yeah, listen, absolutely, I agree, but if you're not going to make the playoffs, you might as well fall away with at least one cup, and if it's the Coastal Cup, it's the Coastal Cup, but it's nice to know that other teams around the league know what the Coastal Cup is to begin with. Um, So, again... Our next game is going to be against Ryo OKC. That is Saturday night. It is an eight o'clock kickoff. If you are not attending the University of Miami versus Florida State football game, your ass better be at FIU Stadium for the soccer match. Uh, again, as we've said recently many times, it is the most important game of the season. Uh, Miami FC definitely needs to come away with three points. We've talked about Ryo OKC's problems with their ownership, but this is still a formidable group. We know the roster that they have on hand. Uh, you know, led on the way of big names like Samaras. Um, look, Miami FC needs three points. Uh, we can go and sit here and, and, and analyze it till we're blue in the face, but the end result needs to be the end result. It doesn't matter if the scoreline's 5-4. It doesn't matter if it's 5-0. It doesn't matter if it's 1-0. Miami FC needs to walk away with three points here.
0: Yeah, for sure. And especially being being a home game uh, and Ryo isn't that far back on the table. I know we say it every every single game, but must win, must win, must win, must win. Uh, the other thing, too, is, uh, you know, despite Hurricane Matthew, uh, the team has put out a statement today saying that uh, the game will go on, uh, but they're continuing to monitor the storm's progress, yada, yada, yada. Right. Uh, just make sure you kind of pay attention on social media for updates. But I think at that point uh, the storm will, will have blown over. Uh, but yeah, as of now, there there's no uh, plans, so make sure you go to this game. The better of the games in Miami that day.
1: Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I, I would fight you on that. But uh, listen, absolutely, unless there's going to be some damage to the stadium or there's going to be damage to the pitch, this game should happen regardless on Saturday. What does make me worry a little bit is if there is damage to FIU Stadium or there is damage to the pitch, where do you move the game to? Perhaps maybe move the game to Marlins Park. Tropical Park, man. Oh, God, don't do that. Don't do that. That'd be bad. Uh, But yeah, Tropical Park could be a a healthy alternative, and and you would see a grass field. Uh, The game would be played on grass, so it would be definitely uh, a nice change for both Rio OKC and Miami FC. And Bloody Shambles, who still thinks turf is the worst thing invented, although... In the eleven play on turf, I don't know. Um, no, it's it's just our lines. It's just our lines. It's just our lines. Just our sidelines. All right. Well, listen, guys. We've talked about the last two games. We looked at the table and we went ahead and uh, previewed Rio OKC. Drew, do you have anything left to add?
0: Um, yeah, we still don't have a winner, right?
1: We don't have a winner, believe it or not, because uh, a we didn't score a goal against Puerto Rico and. B, nobody thought Michael Hood was going to score the opening goal. And I don't think we got any entries in for the Tampa Bay Rodgers game. So if you're still listening to this crappy podcast, we need to remember that we have a $25 gift card on the line from Soccer Locker. What we need from you is the following. When you see the tweet mentioning this podcast and kind of distributing it and announcing its release, you need to reply to that tweet. The first person who gets the name correct, and again, you have one entry. So if you give us five entries in a row, we're only going to take your first one. The person who puts the right player to score a goal, Miami FC or RIO OKC player, whoever scores the first goal, is going to win that $25 gift certificate to Soccer Locker. Uh, So please make sure that you guys go ahead and enter. Guys, we're giving free money away. We're trying to give this gift card away. It doesn't seem to want to leave. I would love to spend free $25 at Soccer Locker. I can do some damage to my bank accounts at that store. But it's not for us. It's for you guys. It's for the people it's for the people my friend it's for the people so again uh remember always go ahead and visit us at datebrigade.com. go out the top hit our store and you can see a special end of end of season membership package that we have i'm sorry we do have available for you including some of our remaining gear t-shirts scarves towels uh ladies we have floral headbands for you as well so please make sure you go on our website and check that out um drew am i missing something man
0: um, I think that's
1: it. I think that's it. Uh, we know that Arsenal won. We know that Manchester United drew, unfortunately. We know that Liverpool won. There's your Premier League wrap-up. Uh, <laughs> I'll La let Liga, you get away with that. Uh, yeah, it's fine. La Liga, I don't know. I don't watch it. I don't care. Uh, MLS, eh. Orlando City's not very good. So that's nope. about it. So for Drew Hausman. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And for myself, Omar Mubayi. It's a pleasure having you guys. It's a pleasure hosting this episode. Uh, follow us on at Magic City Soccer. You can find drew at its house is it its house lol yeah yeah no e ian Houseman. no he in Houseman. he doesn't sell you houses and again i am on by thank you so much for joining us at mobile 11 on twitter guys go miami fc go miami soccer
0: shouts out to pete the pelican i'm gonna book him for my next birthday
1: birthday party